if you didn't already have all of those specs in your yes. mind. It's the way us normal humans would would do it. Or now we will, now that we've got this great idea from you. I love it. I lo- And I, I think at one point in the book, you even talked about either you had a pretend coffee cup or maybe it was a real coffee cup, but you walk around and, and you sit down and you say, okay, where do I want to put my coffee cup? Aha, that's where the little table needs to be. <laughs> Exactly. And you know, it, it, it changes once you actually get the furniture in, but it's the best help for knowing what you need and you can play from there. Then once it starts to get into the room, you can, you know, tweak a little if you want to. But I was finding so many, and I found this, you know, from doing the design shows where I would work with designers. You know, I was the director or the producer, so I wasn't over, I wasn't doing the design, but I was watching the design. I would, um, they had, they did have rules often, you know, like the, the light over the dining room table should be this big and this high mm-hmm. based on the proportional size of the dining table. And I like the weirdness of, of not doing that. I like, yes, you know, like a little tiny light, maybe a pendant light, very small over a bed um, instead of something you might expect or over an island. Sometimes those those um, breaking the rules and something that's just unique and different, I think, makes the room come to life in ways that the classic ones don't and really are kind of boring. That, I think that might be my favorite takeaway from this whole interview, because I completely firmly believe that it is those quirks that makes your home feel so personal, rather than running to the rules, rather than running to the standards. But how can this be a little different? And why not? Just ask yourself the question, why not? Who says? Who says that's a rule? I mean, some rules are great, but when you know them, also know that you can break them. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's one of the joys of, you know, on on another level of vintage shopping, because you, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to find. And if and your design can evolve, we, we couldn't do mood boards. You know, we weren't shopping a big box store, so we couldn't do a right. mood board with everything we knew we would buy. We had to let the design evolve as we found the pieces. And I think that makes things unique too, because all of a sudden you've got, you know, um, a a quirky lamp that is really sculptural that if you gave it some space around it would look really amazing. And so that changes what else you want in the room. So absolutely. I can't, I mean, there've been times when I, I am in my mind and I'm like, okay, I need a new lamp because I'm moving some, some things around. And I want to find a funky, interesting lamp for this side table. And I look and I look and I look. And then the last antiques shop I go to, there's this really cool floor lamp that I wasn't looking for a floor lamp and never considered a floor lamp, but it's so cool. I buy it. It changes everything. And I'm so happy. That's the thing. it's unexpected. Yeah. It's a treasure hunt. You know, you never know what, you never know what you're going to find and it triggers creativity. Right. Yes, it does. Definitely. I want to ask you another practical question, which is um, how and when to choose paint colors? Because this is something that a lot of us struggle with. And you have some great advice about it, specifically in chapter three, which is called Day. Can you share those ideas with us here? Yeah, I think choosing a paint color is really um, daunting to a lot of 